Do you ever find yourself, um, do you ever find yourself somewhere thinking, wow, six months ago, I never would have thought I would be here. I can't imagine that this would have happened. There have been a few times in my life that I didn't know I was walking through a door that would change everything. But looking back, it did. I remember um, I changed schools from La Sierra University to Pacific Union College up in Northern California. And um, I did it for all the wrong reasons. I was following a girl, you know, it's all the wrong reasons. Uh, especially because I was following the wrong girl. She wasn't the one I was supposed to be following. Um, but I wouldn't have met the right girl unless I followed the wrong girl. So, I don't know how that works. But that's kind of what sometimes ends up happening. You, um, you, you do something that you, don't, that you think is right, and then it turns out to be writer? Is that, is that right? I, one of the weirdest things that ever happened was I went to seminary. I got married to this woman, wonderful woman. Her name is Sarah. I love her very much. And um, so we went to Hawaii for a week. That was nice. And then we um, went to Michigan for three years. That wasn't as nice <laughs> by any means. Um, but if you've not been to Michigan, you don't know. So um, we go to Michigan. We go to, we go to seminary. Um, <clears throat> I go there to become a pastor, which I was, not, I was pretty hesitant to do because I know pastors. I knew pastors. Not a, not a huge fan. Um, I thought they, I thought they were kind of like, you know, onward Christian soldiers, kind of, you know, Bible in hand, black suit, kind of, because that's how they were at um, school. And so when God called me to be a pastor, I was like, oh, you're joking. Um, and then he gave me three job offers in one day, and he's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, oh, shoot. Um, <clears throat> so I ended up in Michigan. We're there. School hadn't started. I, I'm apparently going through puberty with my voice tonight. So it will be cracking and I'll sound like a 13-year-old boy. So um, go with me on that journey. That'll be fun. Um, so we're in our new place. You know, we're setting up house. It's really exciting. We've been there a few days. It was Sunday, I remember, um, before school started on Monday. And we get this knock at the door. Knock, knock, knock. And we didn't know anybody. So I thought, huh, that's weird. So I go to the door, and there standing there is this very, you know, professorial-looking man. Turned out he was a professor. And he said, um, and he said in this incredibly low low voice, he said, Are you Tim Gillespie? And I went, Yes, I I am Tim Gillespie. He goes, I understand you sing. I I have sung. (laughs) I'm not singing right now. But yes, I have seen. He said, "I'd," uh, and he said in this really low voice, "I'd like you to, uh, I'd like you to be in the seminary choir." And I was like, Dude, "It's graduate school. I'm no, I'm not going to be in a choir. That's ridiculous." And he goes, "Okay," and he leaves. And my wife's like, "Who is that?" And I was like, "Oh, I have a wife," because um, I was still new at the time. <laughs> it's like, "Who's that?" Oh, that's right, and we're married. Um, uh, very confusing. It takes a while, just for, you know, you know, when you get married, you keep trying to figure out who's in your house. Um, it's like, oh, that's right. We're legally bound to be together now. Um, but, but um, oh, stop. But, um, 
So anyway, she's like, who's that? I'm like, I don't know, some crazy guy who asked me to be in choir. And she's like, choir? They have choir in graduate school? I was like, I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, didn't think much of it. Next day, right about the same time, knock on the door. Um, like, oh, that's weird. I don't know anybody in Michigan. Um, open the door, and there he is again. And he's like, Tim Gillespie. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, I understand you sing. I said, I, I have been known to sing, yes. I wonder if you'd like to be in the seminary choir. I'm like, Do you, you were here yesterday. You know that, right? And he's like, yeah, no, I know. And he said, have you, have you thought about it more? I'm like, no. And he goes, would you like to be in the choir? I'm like, no, man. No, I don't want to be in your choir. Um, respectfully, sir, in Jesus. I don't want to be in your choir. And so he's like, okay. And he walks off. And my wife's like, who's that? And I'm like, I love you. Um, and then and she made me dinner. And that was Monday. Evening, morning. It was good. Then, um, oh, good. good. Scriptural references. Good. You're, that's funny. Um, so, so Wednesday come around. I feel like you know where this is going now. Wednesday come around. I get this knock on the door. And there it is. It's Dr. Baldwin. I found out his name finally. Because um, I asked around. I asked around in seminary. I was like, hey, do you have some crazy guy coming to your door? And most people are like, no. What are you talking about? I'm like, Nothing. I'm sure, I'm sure I've seen him. I'm sure he's a real person. So, you know, after a while and everyone's going, no. Finally, I saw this other guy. I'm like, hey, is there a weird guy coming to your door? He's like, every day? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's getting scary. I'm like, yeah, seriously. So Wednesday rolls around, knock on the door. There he is. Would you like to be inquired? No, sir. No, thank you. I'd rather not. And you don't have to keep coming because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to change my mind. And he says, okay. And he leaves. Thursday, same thing. Friday, same thing. Saturday, Day of rest. <laughs> he didn't show up. <laughs> Foolish me, thought I was off the hook. So Sunday rolls around. He shows up at my house at 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. 9.30 in the morning. So he shows up at my house and knock, knock, knock. And I'm like... I'm like, seriously, man? And he's like, just wondering if you thought about it. And I was like, what is it going to take for you not to come to my house anymore? Ever. (laughs) And he said, just be in the choir. It starts tomorrow. Just be be in the choir. Be in the choir. You'll love it. And I'm like, I will most definitely not love it. But if it will get you off my porch... I will definitely be at choir tomorrow. He's like, okay, 6.30, seminary chapel. I'm like, okay, I'll see you there. (laughs) It's not happy. I went back to bed. My wife made me pancakes. It's a good day. It's a good day. Last time she ever made me pancakes. Um, (laughs) It's not true. Um, So anyway, so I show up. I show up in choir. In choir in graduate school. It's ridiculous. So I show up in choir, and um, there's all these seminarians, like very stern looking, like, we will overcome. And um, me, who I'd been playing music in a punk band for three years before I left there. So like, that was not the music I was playing. Um, So I sit down, I sit down next to the one guy that looks like he might not be crazy. Um, And he had long hair. And so I sit down, and I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, what's up? 
because that's what we said. And, um, and he goes, I think we have the same shirt on. What? And he's like, yeah, we're wearing the same plaids. Mine are just smaller than yours. Thinking to myself, nope. Didn't find the not crazy one. Um, so anyway, anyway, I'm like, oh, what do you, do? Uh, my name's Tim. And he's like, yeah, my name's Roy Ice. And I'm like, it's getting weirder. Um, I'm like, you, what is your name? He's like, Roy Ice. I'm all like, like vanilla ice? Like ice, ice, baby? Ice? And he's like, yeah, that's not funny. And I'm like, oh kind of funny. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, I said, so, so what do you do? And he said, oh, I'm a drummer. I'm like for the seminary choir. He's like, no, I don't know why I'm here. I'm like, yeah, me neither. It's crazy. So, um, anyway, from that weird experience of going into seminary choir, I met Roy and then I eventually met Michael and then I eventually met Sam And we eventually put a band together that traveled the world for 10 years. Um, I never would have gone to seminary choir. And you couldn't have told me when he was, when Dr. Baldwin was standing out on my doorstep that there was a plan. There was a design for me to go to choir. Because that's ridiculous. That's silly. But that was one of those times in my life that I walked through a door kind of reticently. I didn't want to walk through the door, but I walked through the door and it changed everything. See, God has this will of design and his will of design is just, it's so good, but you never know it's happening when it's happening. And God's will of design is pretty inclusive, if you ask me, because it takes into account that you might be an idiot, which is a really good thing, because you are. And when I say you, I mean me, right? And there's stories of this in Scripture. Turn with me to Jonah um, chapter 1. It's this, it's this story that we all know. It's dark in here, so I don't know if we got it up on the screen or not. But if we, oh, we do. Look at that. Because I, I was totally off notes before that. So here it is. Uh, the word of the Lord came to, the John, to, came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, this is tough because he's being asked by God. He's a, he's a prophet. He's a prophet who brings the word of God and he brings the word of God to Israel, right? That's easy. It's easy to tell your friends when they're doing something wrong and they should do something right. This is not what God said. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, go to the great city. And he uses this term great because Nineveh was a serious city. Nineveh was a war machine. And when you went to Nineveh to preach against it, you were not coming back, chances are. And so God gives Jonah this word and says, go and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. And I always like that phrase because it feels like, what it feels like is that God was like, I wasn't paying attention. And then I saw him and I got to fix it. So Jonah, I need you to go fix that. And of course, for Jonah, he wasn't really a fan of what God asked him to do. So, um, he, uh, he didn't. 
So Jonah decides to go a different direction. And it says in Scripture that he went down to Joppa, and he's on a downward spiral because the direction is interesting. He went down to Joppa, and then he went down to Nineveh, and then he ended up down in the belly of a whale. He didn't do what God wanted him to do. In fact, he did the opposite. Rather than go to this war machine that God wanted him to go to and preach against, he decided to go to Tarshish. And Tarshish was this wonderful um, trade city that had all the pleasures anyone could want. It was the wealth. If that was the war of the world happening over in Nineveh, Tarshish was the pleasure center of the world. And so Jonah did exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. You all know the story. We'll pick it up in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now, this is tough. It's tough because people make their living by being merchants on the sea. And it's the same is true with this captain and these sailors. Fearing for our lives, the des- their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now, that's interesting. That was a desperate move. In ancient times, if you had cargo as a sailor and as a captain, you were responsible for all that cargo. And you would be held accountable for the cargo. It wasn't like it was insured and you would just lose out on a little bit of revenue, but somebody would pay you back for it. If you threw it overboard, you were responsible for it. So the storm had to be so overwhelmingly bad. They were sure that they were going to die. And so as a last ditch effort, the last thing that they could do, they hurled their cargo over the side of the ship. This was desperate times, so desperate that they shouted to their gods. But all this time, and remember when I talked about Jesus being asleep in the boat? Same words. Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. And the word is far away. He was so far away. This wasn't troubling him anymore. Jonah somehow is sleeping the sleep of the righteous, even though he's anything but righteous in God's sight at this point. So finally, the captain's not figuring out why this guy's asleep. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. They're desperate. They're willing to pray to any God that there is out there. And sailors often prayed to multiple gods because they were exposed to multiple, multiple gods. And so this maybe isn't that unique that they said, get up and pray to your God. But at this point, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. And so they asked him, why is this awful storm come down on us? Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? How do you answer that question? Well, I'm a prophet. Just that in itself. It's like when somebody asks me what I do and I go, oh, I'm a pastor, especially on a plane, on a long haul flight. I sit down and somebody goes, so what do you do? And I go, I'm a pastor. And either they go, oh, great, we probably won't die, which is funny. Um, or, or they look at me like, oh, no, I can't drink as much as I want to. 
Like, you can always tell that. However, the last time, two times ago when I came down to Australia, I sat down next to a guy, an Australian, and he said, so what do you do? And I said, um, I'm a pastor. And he said, great, I've got some questions. And he ordered a foster. And he did not not have a foster's beer in his hand the whole time and asked me theological questions the whole trip. It was the most annoying, weird, awesome experience of my whole life. And the whole time there was this poor little Chinese woman sitting next to the window who did not move once. No, I'm not kidding you. She didn't eat. She didn't stand up. She didn't stretch. She didn't move. She just... The whole time, and six hours in, this guy is just gone, you know, just lost and drunk as you can believe. We're having a great old time talking about God, and she's... (laughs) So anyway, they asked him what he did, you know, and uh, so he's got to say it. Why did you do it? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, God of heaven, who made made the sea and the land. Um, Interesting. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, of course, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Once again, they were responsible for cargo. They were responsible for the people on their ship. To throw one overboard was unheard of. So when he says, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm again, they can't do it. So instead, they row even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. So then they cried out to Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. See, they were trying to make a bargain. Don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own reasons. Do you find it interesting that Jonah does exactly the opposite of what God wants him to do, and God is still using him to convert the sailors on the ship to worship the one and only God who made the heavens and the seas? God's will of design can work with your poor mistakes can work with your poor, poor, poor choices, all of which we know how to make. Verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. That had to be a weird situation. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. God used Jonah's absolute disobedience For his own design. And then we know how this this chapter ends. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then it gets real descriptive. Jonah didn't stop and bother to talk to God about what he was supposed to do. He made his decision on his own. He didn't ask a question of God's will, even though God had shown him his will very clearly. I need you to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't stop and talk to God. One of the reasons we make horrible decisions is that we don't stop and talk to God about the decisions that we make. We don't find the time in our lives to do that. That is a priority that we all need to make. We all need to make the prayer searching for the will of God a priority in our lives. We need to take 
actual time to do it. When was the last time you spent a prolonged period of time in prayer? I'm not talking about before a meal. I'm not talking about, you know, before a test. That gets a little longer. I know that. Um, you know, and, you know, you shouldn't pray for miracles. You should pray that you remember what you studied. But that's not enough for a lot of you. Sometimes you need a miracle. But just, then just own it. Like, if you've got to pray in class, be like, Lord, we need a miracle. We need you to bring down the answers to this test. Do that. I think your teacher would get a kick out of it. Um, you still fail, but at least they'd get a, they'd get a kick out of it. Um, I teach a class. I teach a class to basically non-Christians at Azusa Pacific University, a Wesleyan university that I work for. And um, one of the things we do is we spend time in prayer. I give them two hours to spend in prayer. Two solid hours. These are students who have usually eight to ten hours of classes a day plus clinicals sometimes. So these students are just killing it to get through a nursing program. And so I stop the class and I give them two hours and they spread out amongst the building that we're in. And they can't talk to each other. All they can do is bring a journal. They can bring a Bible. That's it. And two hours seems like a long time. Do you know what chapter two in Jonah is? It's a three-day long prayer. God said to Jonah, It is now in my design that you spend a little time reflecting. I've arranged a room for you to do that in. It's called a fish. I hope that works out well for you. And you know, you know the most descriptive word in the Old Testament is the word in Hebrew that is what happened to Jonah when the fish hit land. It's vomit, but it's like, it means more than that. You know what an onomatopoeia is? A word that sounds like a thing, like bing. Sounds like bing. Well, the word in Hebrew is an onomatopoeia. It sounds like vomit. It's the best word in the Old Testament. God needed to take Noah, or Jonah, sorry, needed to take Jonah away. I get those two confused because I don't know why. Um, He needed to take him away and say, I need you to reflect. I need you to spend some time with me. I need you to cry. And the prayer in in Jonah chapter 2 is gorgeous. It is, it is a supplication, a prayer of supplication, a prayer for survival, a prayer for the grace of God. Oh, it's such a good prayer. God had to get Noah down there to pray it. Jonah, why can't I remember? You know who I mean. Anyway, so we know the rest of the story. I won't read it. Jonah is vomited back up. He goes to Nineveh, preaches the word of God, and they all listen to him. How confusing was that to Jonah? Right? He was ready for God to kill the, the whole city of Nineveh. And God, he says, you know, God's mad. You've got 40 days and God's going to destroy the city. And the king of Nineveh goes, man, we better do something. And the people are like, yeah, we should. Sackcloth and ashes. They repent. They worship the only God. And Jonah's like, seriously, God? Are you kidding me? Jonah was a jerk. See, he was, he's sitting above, he's like, kill it, kill them all. This is going to be awesome. And God's like, no, they repented. It's good. And he's like, yes, I look like an idiot now, God. I went there and I was telling him you were going to kill them all. Now you're not going to kill them all. And then he goes, I knew you'd be gracious. Stupid God. 
hey, man, Jonah, he, at least he said what was on his mind. Man, he's mad. And I love the way the story of Jonah ends. You know, this, this tree bush grows up and it gives him shade and then a worm comes and kills it. And Jonah's like, God. And God's like, dude, I can do whatever I want. Do you, do you not get that? Like, seriously, like I can do, I, is it my, I, I grew it and I killed it. So what? I can do whatever I want. I'm God. So he doesn't say that a lot, but every once in a while, God's like, all right, now back up. He says it with Job. He's like, oh, were you here when I hung the stars? Hmm? Were you? I don't think so. That's what he's doing with Jonah. He's like, oh yeah, you're mad at me for this? Well, why at least I'm God. I'm God. Jonah did everything wrong. God used him. He did everything wrong. God used him. Chances are there's times in your life where you feel like everything, you, you're doing everything wrong. You may be doing everything wrong. God can use you. Not only can God use you, but God will use you. Because God doesn't need you, but he's willing to work with you. I mentioned it last night, but God has this perfect GPS. You ever make a wrong turn? I never listen to my GPS. In fact, sometimes I don't do it because I don't like to be told what to do. It's like, turn right. I'm like, you turn right. I turn left. All right. It's not the boss of me. My wife is the boss of me. Uh, if that was my wife's voice, I'd be like, uh-huh, okay. I'm going right. Um, but, but that's the thing. I go left, right? What does it do? It reroutes and gets me to where I need to go. You know, the only difference between God and a GPS is, well, there's a bunch of differences between God and a GPS system. But for those, this, this particular application, the only difference between God and a GPS system is God created the destination too. So he's going to get you where he needs you to be. But you're not going to know that you're going there. And you're going to look back at six months and go, I see what you did there. God, you were up to something the whole time. I didn't help you much. But man, I am so glad I'm here. I'm, I'm sitting in choir talking to some weird guy named Roy Ice, who apparently has the same sort of shirt I do. You know, about two and a half years later, we were standing on this stage playing music in Australia for the first time. I was thinking about that when worship was happening. And I remember standing here and the place was full and we're playing music. And God did that. God didn't do that because I was talented or Roy was a great drummer. God did that because he had a plan to put me here. And now, what? Almost 20 years later, I'm still standing here being able to do ministry because God has a plan. I've made every wrong decision in the book. I've done the dumbest things and said the dumbest things. I've gone the wrong direction. I left ministry. God can reroute your life. And God is constantly, actively rerouting his will in your life to work with the silly things you do. Make a wrong decision, God can use you. Go the opposite direction, God can use you. Say the wrong thing, God can use you. God's will of design 
is for you particularly. Every single one of you, God is working with individually, changing and moving in this weird kind of dance of his will in the midst of the decisions that you make or don't make. God is that powerful. God is that knowledgeable. God is that good. And God believes in you that much. God's will of decree, sometimes he just says it and it happens. God's will of desire, that we be reconciled with him and with one another. God's will of direction, sometimes he tells you to go left or right. Sometimes he doesn't say a word. God's will of design, that you'll end up in the place that he wants you to be. And he'll use you even if you're in the wrong place. God's will, all these wills, working at the same time to create in you the kind of character he needs to continually use you. He does this for each one of us with our own custom-made plan. Because he's willing to spend that much time on your life Are you willing to spend an ounce of that time on his?